welcome. You are listening to the Ed Sound Podcast. I am Jackie Martin, alongside me, as always, Ben Weinrich. Ben, we're here to talk about the Super Bowl. Oh, it's the most wonderful day of the year, and this year it falls on my birthday, so. Oh, happy birthday. I guess that means the Patriots are going to win. Uh, that's that's not great. <laughs> well, so but the last they, time they probably are. Yeah, the the last time that the Super Bowl fell on my birthday was 2007 with the extremely memorable Colts Bears Super Bowl. Let's see if you can remember mm. any details about that game. I I actually can. Devin Hester uh, took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. Yep. And then they got outscored 29 to 10 the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Because that went exactly like the college football championship game that year where Ted Ginn took the opening kickoff yes. back for a touchdown for Ohio State. I'm glad you remember these details. This, uh, well, it's kind of the only thing you can remember about either of those two games because neither was very good. Yeah. I'm looking back through the other Super Bowls, and I'm trying to see how many of these I can remember anything from. So, Giants-Patriots, that one was pretty memorable. I don't really want to talk about that one. Uh, Steelers-Cardinals, uh, the the only thing I got is James Harrison took back that 100-yard touchdown or interception at the half, and I'm good. still pretty sure he did not score. I think they're just like, man, this guy went the whole way. Let's just give it to him. He deserves which, it. Which, to be fair, is how I think we should officiate games. Yeah, I mean – I don't mind it. And that also ended up deciding the game, but <laughs> all right. Uh, Saints beat the Colts. So so I have a question for you. If we're going to go back to that Colts Bears Super Bowl. Sure. Is Rex Grossman the worst Super Bowl quarterback? Like, if we're saying Nick, Nick Foles is the worst Super Bowl quarterback we've had in a while, is, sure. does that go back to Rex Grossman? I'm looking back. I guess I mean, well, yeah, Flacco's your maybe, but he played out of his mind that playoff. Yeah, and I think Rex was worse. Rex was definitely worse. I'm just wondering, do we think Flacco might be worse than Foles, although we really have four games of evidence on Foles this season. Yeah, I think that's half the problem with Foles is he hasn't been playing with this team much. Obviously, he's played with the Eagles before, but they've had some serious turnover. And he hasn't played much of the season at all. At least Rex got to, you know, vibe with Musa Muhammad and the rest of the team. Yeah. And that was when they were trying to make Devin Hester a wide receiver, too, and he was, like, the second-best wide receiver on that team. That sounds like Vanderbilt trying to make Darius Sims their second-best receiver. It just wasn't going to happen. might have been the best running back. Uh, well, that was. those are some teams. Those are some interesting teams. <laughs> uh, God, who else is on that Bears team? Not much. So, is that Cedric Benson or Thomas Jones? Uh, both. And they also had the real Adrian Peterson. Oh, yeah. Out of Georgia Southern. See, Rashid Davis, Justin Gage, Bernard Berrien. What a crew. Man. All right, Ben, we're like four minutes in, and we've already managed to start talking about the 2006 Super Bowl. 
So we're right on track here. Right. I think we wanted to kick this one off because Ben is a Panthers fan uh, when it's convenient for him. (laughs) And I'm a Falcons fan. So we are fans of the teams that have lost the last two Super Bowls and notably have each lost Super Bowls to the New England Patriots. Uh, Ben, I don't have high hopes for the Eagles this weekend, probably just because... I don't know why. Why expect anything? Why expect anything different until something changes? Uh, I guess the only thing I got is the Patriots' defense is not great, and the Eagles is pretty solid. So they got that going for them. But uh, man, we saw a. Uh, I don't know if you saw this tweet by a friend of the pod, former Commodore uh, Peter Nygaard, and it said, "Oh look, the Final Four Quarterbacks are Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and Tom Brady. Wonder how this one's going to end up. <laughs> well, and I actually think that this is a really good way to look at it this year, especially with the Patriots having beaten the Jaguars in the AFC title game and now facing the Eagles. Is you're sort of seeing best overall roster in the NFL in the Eagles, uh, I think, versus best quarterback and head coach. Right. Because if you look at the rest of the Patriots roster, that's not a team that should have been the AFC title game, even, yeah. much less the Super Bowl. So you're seeing it play out, and I think maybe it overstates it to a degree because people want to say, oh, all that matters is your quarterback. And it's not necessarily true. It helps a lot, but you are kind of seeing it play out here that when you have the best quarterback and the best coach in the league, you can mask – pretty much all your other deficiencies. Yeah. I mean, they've had this problem going back a couple of years now. Their skill position players are really weak, so at least Gronk is supposed to play, but he's banged up with a concussion or coming off one, and, like, would you really be all that surprised? Wouldn't it be, like, a, a tactically great idea and an awful human thing to do to just take a shot at Gronk and get him out of the game immediately? <laughs> I. Yeah. Didn't the Jaguars try that? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that. without that, then you're looking at Danny Amendola, who did look like the greatest wide receiver ever in that uh, game against the Jaguars. Wow, both statement, uh, then. I mean, like, some of his catches he made on that third and 17 and that final touchdown were pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. And But then otherwise, you're looking at a so-so Brandon Cook which, wow, I thought that trade would have worked out better. Uh, and Chris Hogan, former lacrosse player, I mean, they, they don't have a lot. Hey, don't knock former lacrosse players. It, it's just one of those things like Ryan Fitzpatrick, former Harvard quarterback. He just automatically gets mentioned. <laughs> it's actually his full name. Right. Just just like there's Nick Foles in a losing effort, which is a college football <laughs> joke you might not know, actually. <laughs> no. Nick Foles played for Arizona, and back when Mike Stoops was the head coach at Arizona, and they ran like an air raid offense. And I think Nick Foles won like six games his whole career there, but he oh, threw man. for like seventy-five thousand yards. So and there's like a great more extreme Jay Cutler. He was way better than Jay Cutler, at least numbers wise. Uh, like they had an actually good offense. 
Jay Cutler was just a good player on a bad team. Um, but uh, there's a great college football podcast with Solid Verbal. It started documenting what Nick Foles did every week, and the segment was titled Nick Foles in a losing effort, and then played like sad trumpet. Yeah. Not something. So, I, that's what the game comes down to, though, isn't it? If Foles plays well, the Eagles are at least going to be in a position to win. Yeah, and I think your question is what is well. I mean, like, if he plays a C-plus game, they're probably... Don't turn the ball over. Yeah. That's got to be it. Yeah. I wonder how LeGarrette Blunt shows up against his, his former team. Because it was funny, like, when he was with the Steelers, he just kind of was kind of moping around, and then he gets on the Patriots and turns back into, like, Oregon uh, LeGarrette Blunt. And uh, this seems like a game he would really, really you know, have an A-plus game for. Yeah, and I really like the mix of running backs that the Eagles use because it's actually kind of similar to what I think the Patriots have done in the past. For you, JHI, who's a guy who, like, two out of three times he's going to get tackled for a gain of one yard or behind the line or something, but that third play is going to go for 10 to 15 yards. And right. so you, you almost operate in big chunks, and then you do the same with Foles because you're letting him throw down the field. And so you're kind of okay with just getting no gain on a couple of plays because you know that you're going to make up for it with big ones. Right. And yeah, maybe it's... maybe that's how you have to beat the Patriots because you can't just, you know, march down the field and do a big sustained drive and, you know, because they'll, they'll catch you at some point. But if you operate in these big chunks, maybe that's how you have to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, remember, the Jaguars kind of pretty easily uh, knifed their way through the Patriots' defense. Just at the end, they couldn't come up with anything. Uh, I was There was a, a conspiracy theory or a uh, <laughs> something that the Jaguars' offensive coordinator just only had, like, 30 plays. <laughs> so he got to the end of the game, and then Stephon Gilmore knew what they were going to call because he had already seen it before. And then – yeah. So I, I imagine that the Eagles will have a little more to work with than uh, Blake Bortles' offense. Yeah. I mean, uh, n- not that Nick Foles is uh, way, way, way better than uh, Blake Bortles, but I have a little more confidence. Yeah, he can do a couple more things. And I think they do such a good job mixing in those RPOs, too, that you just give him a little more space. And you trust him to make a few more of those throws because you watched that Jaguars game, and like you said, they had some play calls, but once you got down to it, there was only so much you could do with play for them. Yeah. As much as I as much as much I love him as a dedicated viewer of Good Place on NBC, and I was rooting for uh, Bortles and Jason Mendoza and everyone else. Well, Bortles He's very limited. A, well, Bortles comes from a national championship winning program, so... Maybe that's that's true. Yeah. Boost that Foles may not have. Oh, man. I love this UCF stuff, by the way. Like, this it's, is college football at its finest. I'm all for chaos, so I'm totally cool with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's weird because if you're our age, you know, mid-20s, 
you don't really remember a college football where anyone could just say they were national champions and that's the way it was. Right. We grew up in the BCS era. Uh, but this is such throwback college football. I love it. Like, and you can complain about UCF all you want. Their claim to this national title is more legitimate than, like, 40 other instances in college football of people doing this, right. including, like, three of Alabama. Yeah, and it's it's one of those unfortunate things also where it's just really hard to determine a championship in a 12-game season. And right, I, where you don't play, like, any common opponents. Right, and I'm not really for making these kids play any extra games without extra compensation. So Right. It, until they solve that, I'm cool with showing chaos. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ben. So let's let's talk about losing to losing a Super Bowl since since our two teams have lost the last two. Uh, both of our favorite teams, Kansas and the Falcons, are now zero and two in their Super Bowl histories. Oh yeah. Uh, so let's let's go all the way back to February seventh, twenty sixteen. Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers, Peyton Manning's last game in the NFL. What what went wrong? What happened? Tell oh, me, man. Well, they, uh, the Panthers couldn't move the ball against the Broncos' defense, which was admittedly really, really good. And their offensive line could not stop Von Miller. And I don't think there's a Von Miller in this game, but that was pretty haunting. I mean, the... Uh, They'd led the they'd led the uh, NFL in scoring the whole year and couldn't do anything. And I think it was pretty. Uh, you knew we were in trouble because I think didn't score on the opening drive. The Broncos scored and then they fumbled it on like a Von Miller strip sack and then you're like oh boy, yeah. they they like already dug themselves such a big hole. And that was so different than the uh, the Patriots Super Bowl they lost in '04. Because no one scored that entire first quarter, and they kind of fell behind. And then they just showed up with, like, an 87-yard touchdown and all these long touchdown drives. And it was never really out of the question, but this one was, like, almost out of hand from the start. Which is, is so strange because that's how I remember the game, too. And then I went and looked at four. I don't know why, but I expected it to be, like, 40-10 to 10 or something. It was a 24-10 to 10 game. Yeah. But it was just such a complete beat down, I don't really remember it ever even being that close. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it took them a while to score, too. It was it was just so very unfortunate. And it, I've, it was funny, I went into that game saying, I've never been so confident in a team winning. Uh, the last time I was this confident was uh, the first Patriots-Giants Super Bowl. And, of course, <laughs> neither of those games worked out. No, 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 they did not. Um, I'm still so, so floored that the Patriots didn't just, like, blow out the Giants in that game. That Patriots team was so good. That was, I, I think you have to say, that was such an NFL team of our lifetimes. Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly endorse that, and I don't care that they lost the uh, Super Bowl. Right. And the one thing that makes me sad about them losing that is that it, again, prevented Randy Moss from ever winning the Super Bowl. 
I saw a, uh, I was uh, out somewhere and I saw on a TV that there was a debate of who was more likely to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. Randy Moss or Terrell Owens. And I was thinking that that was a debate. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a debate. I also don't think it's a debate that both of them are first ballot Hall of Fame. Right. Oh, I also don't follow the NFL as closely for Hall of Fame voting, so I'm not sure uh, how tough first balloting is. But to me, they're both first ballot Hall of Famers. Even if to, to me, they're both top five wide receivers ever. Yeah. And I understand that this is not necessarily a popular opinion. I think Randy Moss was a lot better receiver than Jerry Rice was. I mean, I've never seen Jerry Rice, so I, I, it's hard for me to argue that. But I, I can see it. Yeah. So, man. And then Randy got to play with the 49ers in that Super Bowl, too, against the Ravens. He yeah. had a couple of shots. It's tough. It's sad. It's, it's another funny thing. I couldn't – in retrospect, isn't it crazy that people didn't think that Randy Moss of the Patriots would have turned out better? Like He I had those two weird years in Oakland, or however many years it was. Yeah, it, like, like I, good, but I don't know. I still remember like having a fantasy football magazine, and he was rated like the 30th best receiver. And for some reason, I didn't take him, and I don't know why it was that should have made all the sense in the world. Yeah, it should have. It should have. Because, well, hold on, let's look at it. Because that's a weird spot in the Patriot dynasty, isn't it? Uh, no. Cause it, so they won three out of four. They won in 2002, 2004, and 2005. And then they hadn't been in the Super Bowl for two years. So I don't I don't really remember what the the feeling was at that point, but maybe people were down on on Belichick and the Patriots and didn't think that Tom Brady threw a good enough deep ball to utilize Moss. I don't remember, but yeah, it's strange that that people wouldn't have thought that they'd have at least been really good. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. I mean, then again, I think people thought Brandon Cooks would be one of the best receivers, and he's been very mediocre this year. I was so happy when that trade went down because it meant that Brandon Cooks wasn't playing on the Saints anymore. Yeah. Although, Uh, I mean, they they just kind of crank out receivers. Even if no one is like Brandon Cooks on that offense anymore, they're still like, find Michael Thomas and find Willie Sneed and find all these guys. It's very annoying. Yeah. As, especially knowing that they've started picking guys that I like out of college, like Alvin Kamara. Well, I actually like that they have him because I don't like him. And, uh, I have a hard hard time rooting for Tennessee guys. Uh, I do too, but, man, that dude is so much fun. Like, if you can play for Tennessee and the Saints and I still like you, yes. it's a, it's a minor miracle. I think it's easier because I don't remember seeing him at Tennessee. I just remember seeing him his name in the draft. Tennessee next to it. So badly mismanaged by Butch Jones. He yeah. was fantastic. He wasn't even the starting running back at Tennessee. It's just just completely outrageous. 
kind of hilarious too. Yeah. It's also sad when you look at like the Panthers taking McCaffrey seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever they were picking, and you have all these like really good running backs end up going later in the draft. Well, yeah, it's weird to pick a spot receiver ninth in the draft, but he's pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the alternative is if they had taken some a non offensive player at the top of the at the top of the draft, their offense would have been so bad. Like we're talking about how the uh talking about how Tom Brady doesn't have a lot of receivers after Gronk. After mm-hmm. Greg Olson, who was injured half the year, after they traded Kelvin Benjamin, he's thrown to like Devin Funches, who can't stay healthy, he's thrown to Demir Bird, who had a big game, and then like Torres ACL, and then he's thrown to like guys you've never heard of. And this poor Panthers, they finally get a good quarterback, and then decide that they don't want to invest in any playmakers for him. Well, I figured that since it might be an awkward break in the middle, that it might be time for an advertisement. So, yeah. Uh, Bad Sports Town is brought to you by Natty Ice. Looking to binge drink and forget that your team is inevitably going to lose to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but you're on a budget? Natty Ice. <laughs> I love it. That's great. This, this message brought to you by our college experience. <laughs> All right, so at this point, uh, I've probably gone through enough heartbreak thinking about the Panthers. I'd like to see how you've recovered in the last year from the, those two schools. Uh, you know, it's really strange because I think you can see uh, the way that psychological coping mechanisms work. I've really seen it play out in my daily life. Uh, you know what I really remember about that Super Bowl is Robert Alford's pick six on Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. That was the moment that it was over. I mean, that was seriously probably the happiest moment of my sports life that I remember. Uh, I wasn't old enough to remember the Braves winning the World Series in 1995. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's really strange because that's always the first thing that comes to mind for me and not everything that came after. But right. we've talked on this podcast before about how growing up with Atlanta sports fandom, I probably saw that loss coming a lot earlier than, you know, any sane person should have. I actually texted one of my friends from the Patriots, I think kicked a field goal to make it 28-9, to or maybe uh, whenever they kicked a field goal, right. I texted one of my friends and said, we're losing this game. <laughs> which is not a rational approach to watching these things, but uh, ultimately I guess I was proven correct. Um, and that game was just awful last year. And it came against the Patriots. It was like everything could have happened to make it, I think it has to be the worst loss uh, of a major sport. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can disagree. I, I'm probably too close to the situation. I think for fans, that is the worst loss a major sports team has suffered. So I guess, are you just looking at the context of the game? Like, yeah. Because uh, I guess well, you, could de- you could debate the 2007 Patriots losing that game. Uh, yeah, I suppose you could with, with the helmet catch and everything. But I, I think that probably in-game, that's about as bad as it gets. 
Yeah. And you're you're in the third quarter and you're up that much. About to win your first ever Super Bowl against the the dynasty of the of the era. Right. Yeah, I just think there's there's a lot of fantastic combines there. And and really like fifteen different moments where if any one of them goes a different way, you win the game. Now, uh Patriots won the toss, right? In the uh in overtime? Yeah. Yes. Man. Yeah, the Falcons never touched the ball in overtime. So where do you fall I, I think we've talked about this before, but uh, if you could design an overtime for college or pro, whatever whatever it is, what would you have overtime be? College overtime rules that the ball starts on the 50. Yeah, I think that my big problem with college overtime is you can take a sack and still kick a field goal. And that's not that most college kickers can kick that, but it's doable. And I think that's pretty dumb. Yeah. Uh, I think that both teams should probably touch the ball or have a chance to. I th- I think that, that that is my biggest issue with the NFL one. Is I think both teams have to touch the ball. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I wouldn't even mind kicking off. I just think that starting with the ball in the 30 is way too far. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, the reason I said the 50 is I, I do think still you want to keep it within the context of football. But you also want to get the game over. You know, you don't right. – overtime doesn't need to take half an hour. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think you need to kick off and let both teams have a full, you know, elongated drive or anything. I think if you start at the 50, what you're essentially saying is if you can get a first down and pick up another five yards, you're technically within field goal range. Right. So you, yeah. you have to, like you said, you have to advance the ball forward to be able to kick a field goal. Sure. Yeah, I guess not every sport has a great way to end games. I think that baseball is Very few do. Baseball is one of the easier ones, and they've, they're discussing a rule change for spring training and all-star games, a.k.a. games that don't matter, that if you get to the 10th inning, or get to the 11th inning, so past the first, extra inning, you just put a man on second just to kind of end the game. Which, yes, uh, which is what a lot of travel travel league yeah. baseball tournaments do. I don't mind that for spring training. I, I really hate that for regular season, especially yeah. postseason. But, like, NBA works totally fine. But, but soccer is so tough because, really, there are few, few things that are as entertaining as PKs, but, boy, is that not really the greatest way to it's a terrible. It's a terrible way to do it. But also in soccer, very typically, you've played an extra. Uh, you you've played an extra half hours worth of soccer before you get there. Yeah. You two fifteen minute halves in overtime. So once you reach that point, it's almost dangerous to keep playing full field soccer. Yeah. Although I guess you do wonder: are teams more aggressive? If it's not just play for PKs, you know, like. Uh, if you're the underdog and you know you have a couple good PK yeah. guys, but you're not going to be able to beat the team playing regular soccer, you could just kind of play to get to 120 minutes. Yeah, you, you can, and I think that's where you see a difference 
wrestling tournament that used Golden Goal, which is that if you score in overtime, the game's over. Right. Uh, versus sort of your typical, you, you play out the full 30 minutes regardless. Yeah. Um, so if you have golden goal, an underdog team might be more likely to press and try and, you know, fly yeah. down the field and try and get that goal. Whereas you're right, if if it's normal, you might be happy to just park the bus and, and get to penalty kicks. Yeah, it, it's just unfortunate that there's not always a, a easy, fair way to determine any game. So have you ever seen how the MLS used to do penalty kicks? No, but I can't wait to hear up until like I want to say like ninety nine or two thousand or something, and they left the penalty kicks. But you started with the ball at midfield, so it was like a hockey shootout. Like you, you <laughs> brought the ball all the way down. It was still one on one with nobody. It was amazing. That's pretty funny. But yeah, I, I think you're right. For a lot of sports, it's just there's not a good way to do it. I, weirdly, I think the hockey shootout works a lot better than than the soccer shootout does. Yeah. Well, that's also more like the actual game. Right. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, it's weird because I, I, some of the people I was with in the Super Bowl last year thought it was really unfair that the Falcons didn't get the ball in that overtime. I don't know that it would have made a difference. I think they might have just been beat at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd have loved to see them try, you know. And yeah. I don't know. It, there was a lot with that game that I'd like like to have back. <laughs> yeah. Man. So are yeah, you going to be are you, are you going to be rooting for the? Do you consider yourself rooting for the Eagles or rooting against the Patriots? I'm going to be rooting for Chris Long. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be rooting for Adam Butler. Oh yeah. Uh, and then you know the rest of it is just going to play out, play out how it is. I don't, I don't really care. I guess I would like to see the Eagles win. I would really love to see what happens when the purge actually happens in real life and the city just lets crime be legal for 24 hours. Sure. Uh, although that might happen whether they win or lose. So, uh, I, w- I was wondering about, I know that Philly has a reputation for having the worst fans, but I don't feel like the Eagles are that hated of a team, right? It's weird because I think in general, no. But they play in that division that just everyone hates each other so much in the NFC East. So, I think... The Patriots are probably the most hated team. Definitely. But but then I think the next one's got to be someone from that division just because of how much everyone else in the division cares. Yeah. Like, you've got other good rivals from the NFL. Like, the NFC North, I think they all dislike each other a lot. Falcons and the Saints don't like each other. Uh, you've got a couple other good rivalries, but just as a whole, that division is so vicious. Well, so uh, so number like two is probably the Cowboys. Yeah. But then maybe it's the Eagles after that? So I guess what I was going for is uh, I feel like I've had a number of championships, whether it's Super Bowl or World Series or 
uh, NBA championship where there are two teams that I'm ambivalent about, or I kind of like both. And I actually really don't like watching those games very much. Like, I loved the LeBron Heat teams. Right. I I really like the Spurs. And I found that almost hard to watch at times because I didn't really want either team to lose, and I couldn't really root that hard no matter what happened. Right. That that was hard, but but then you get a moment like the Ray Allen shot. Yeah. I think that made it all worth it. Yes, and then at that point, I also knew I was rooting for the Heat because I was so excited that that happened. Yeah. But, like, uh, I, there's definitely some better examples out there, but I think that it's so much easier, like, watching the Lakers in an NBA championship. I rooted so hard against Kobe Bryant, and it didn't matter that the Magic were terrible and I had no reason to like any players on their team. It was just like, ugh, they have this villainous team that you can just pull against, and I know that the Jaguars are are fun and Jalen Ramsey's the best, but I feel like an Eagles Jaguars Super Bowl wouldn't have been all that great, just because there wouldn't have been a, a team to really pull hard against. Right. Just the the quarterback play would have been so terrible. Yeah, I'd, I'd have certainly rooted for the Jaguars in that case. I think more interesting would have been Jaguars Vikings. Yeah. Because I think that would have been one of those where I really would have just been happy to see either of those teams win. Yeah, but yeah, but like, I feel like it's when there's you have an equal push pull. We're like, yeah, I could, you know, it'd be cool. It's cool to see Minnesota play at home and win, and they've never yeah. had any luck. But it'd be cool to see these upstart Jaguars, and I can't wait to hear what Jalen says after the game. But like, <laughs> neither, neither, I can't imagine thinking liking either team more than each other. And I just kind of be watching and be like, oh, I mean, this is football. Uh, right. And, and I think the difference between that and this is I would have just had fun watching one of those games. I don't know that I'm going to have any fun watching this game. Does that make I, sense? I can, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, uh, I think that if if Carson Wentz was playing, it would be a lot of fun. It would and. But I also think the fun part for me is going to be if, you know, Nick Foles falls out on Bill Belichick and the Patriots, I probably will really enjoy that. Wouldn't that be hilarious, though? You know, like uh, the teams that Tom Brady couldn't beat were quarterbacked by Eli Manning and Nick Foles. I mean, that would have been awesome. Given and that he also won a Super Bowl against. He won a Super Bowl against Jake Malone, who was decent that year, but by no means. I mean, you could easily mm. fit him in that group. Right. And it's wild because Foles could throw for 500 yards in the Super Bowl. They could win. He's not going to be their starter in the fall. <laughs> I mean, that's so bizarre. I cannot remember another game where that was the case, where you just – you knew that no matter what, this was not going to be the quarterback that was going to be on the team next year. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, well, yeah. uh, outside of the retirement guys like Peyton Manning. Right. Well, it makes you wonder, like, you could have probably said the same thing if Case Keenum were in this game and he put up 500 yards. Is you wonder how much money is on the line for these guys. You know, it's like Nick Foles is a, a little weird because we already kind of know kind of what he is, and he's had a lot of shots on a lot of different teams. But, yeah. you know, if, if he does have a, the greatest game of his life, you know, Browns need someone to play quarterback. It's true. 
I, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that would, that would like to have someone like him. Honestly, you could see, like, the Jaguars starting to get him. Yeah. Real quick, any team you want to see Kirk Cousins on? No. Would you want him on the Jaguars? No, because I like the Jaguars. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to, how to phrase this, because I don't necessarily dislike Kirk Cousins. I just don't like watching him play football. Yeah. And maybe it's... Maybe it's the way that he got judged against the way that RT3 got judged that's, in Washington, that's exactly and that just rubbed me the wrong way. That's exactly why I don't like him. Yeah, and, and I think that's probably unfair to him. Oh, it certainly is, but I'm still going to disagree about it. It's definitely the way that I feel. <laughs> He'd be fine on the Broncos. It'd be nice to have the Broncos' defense be relevant again, because I love watching Von Miller play. Yeah. But, yeah, I... I'm just not that excited about Washington Bison. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that shoot like But, like, I'm telling you, like, I will enjoy Nick Foles falling out because it's fun the way that he plays, even when it doesn't work. I just don't enjoy watching Kirk Cousins play football. That's, I think, more reason why I'm excited for him to hopefully end up on the Broncos because I don't especially like those Broncos ever since the Super Bowl. So it gives me more reason to hate them, and I could use a team to hate again. There you go. There's hate in your heart. Let it out. Yeah. <laughs> we need we need good villains in the NFL. I feel like maybe I'm out of line in saying this. The Patriots just feel less hateable this year. Maybe it's just because I'm tired of them. I I think that that couldn't hurt. I think that uh, – well, how do you feel about Gronk? Uh, he's sort of an oversized doofus. He's fun to watch play. Right, so I guess... Uh, his his so, sort so of general shtick kind of wore thin with me a while ago, but I don't actively dislike him. I just also don't think that... So the, the Patriots are my second favorite team, and I don't think I can name, like, ten players on their team, and I think that's probably why they're less hateable, is there's no guy you can point to, like, oh, man, you know, I, I hate... Uh, uh, who was the Florida linebacker? Spikes? Yeah, I hate Brandon Spikes. Or, oh, I do hate man, Brandon Spikes. Or, you know, you look and be like, oh, that Deion Branch always does something. Like, you, there's just not enough, like Edelman's out. There's not enough players you actually know on the team. Teddy Bruschi. I hated Teddy Bruschi. <laughs> for, like, right. no good reason. I mean, he was a, a good player on their defense, and I think that, you know, like, why, why did I hate Lamar Odom? I hated him because he was on a Lakers, but Lamar Odom's a dude. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and, and like, Edelman and Amendola aren't, they're not quite as annoying as Welker was. Although, like, I kind of liked watching the way that Welker worked. Like, that was kind of cool. But right. yeah, they're just, they're not as, they're boring. The Patriots are boring. Yeah. Definitely. It's kind of like watching Alabama. <laughs> you just know what's going to happen, so just get it over with. Right. Well, so how about this? Uh, the Super Bowl halftime show this year is Justin Timberlake. Oh, God. And the last time Justin Timberlake... Have you listened to his new album yet? No, and I swear to God, if he plays any new songs, I'm, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> uh, but I think that it would be a travesty 
if when these things rock your body, they do not bring out Janet Jackson. There's no way they'll let him do that. I just got to say, I think it's it's really stupid that he's allowed back, but she isn't. And I realize that Janet Jackson it's hasn't crazy. been relevant since, like, before the Super Bowl. But, like, that was, that was his fault. That was his it fault was. as much and, as it and, was her fault. And to his credit, he said as much in interviews. So, yeah, maybe maybe it, it would be cool for him to bring her back out. Yeah, I mean, I think that there'd be a ton of tongue-in-cheek about that, and I'm sure when they get to the line, you know, I'm like, have you naked by the end of this song, they'd do some, like, wink and whatnot. So I think that would be amazing. And it would be a moment of levity for a sport that does not have enough success. Yeah. Yeah, the, the league that takes itself seriously above all else could use could use a little lightheartedness. So do you remember any Super Bowl halftime shows since that one? I mean, like, Prince was awesome. They've all kind of blended together since they, uh, Well, hold on, hold on. Then, less shark (laughs) happened with Katy Perry. Yeah. That was also the moment I realized that I just actually really love Katy Perry, and and she has so many great songs. I'm offended. <laughs> uh, let's see. Katy Perry, I think it was a good point. Beyonce did an incredible one. Yeah. Um, and that was, when was the blackout at the stadium? Was that at halftime or after halftime? Was that I, think it was, I think it was after halftime. I remember that the Black Eyed Peas couldn't have a whole halftime to themselves. They had to bring in Usher for a song. Which I'm all for, but, like, boy, that's not great when you can't get through a halftime show. Didn't Bruce Springsteen do one? Because they went on that run of, like, older rock guys after the Jay Jackson thing. So they did, like, they did Tom Petty. They did Bruce Springsteen. They did Prince, who was really good. Prince is a really good one. I'm not sure I could name a whole lot else. Yeah. If you could uh, pick one halftime performer, it doesn't matter if the NFL would never approve them. Who would you want? Oh, man. Next year, Mercedes-Benz, Atlanta, Outcast. <laughs> Bring out, like, the whole Dungeon family. Get Outcast, get Goody Mob, get Future up there. I would love that. I think, yeah, it's nice to have local influence on halftime shows until you have Super Bowls in Minnesota. Well, now that there's no print. Yeah. Because you could have done, that would have been an easy one. Right. And I would actually be shocked if we didn't get a print tribute something. Yeah, that's a fair point. Oh, you know who else did a good one? Bruno Mars had a good halftime show. Yeah, he did. And they had one where they had him and Beyonce and Coldplay yes. up here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or, or at least Chris Martin. Right. That was good. Bruno Mars is kind of a perfect Super Bowl halftime guy. He's high energy. 
you can go out there and do three songs that you know everyone stands up for, and then it's over. Yeah, I've been a big 180 on Bruno Mars. I did not enjoy him when he first sort of came out, and now I think he is fantastic. I haven't listened enough to his new album, but uh, he is he's definitely good, and I think he's probably more family-friendly than a lot of options, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. All right, Ben, we we got to wrap this up. I need your final score prediction. Oh, man. Um, it's funny. I think almost every Super Bowl, Patriots have had to come from behind. They've never played a Super Bowl decided by more than six points. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, boy. Let's, I'll go with... Uh, it's a, man, I think the Patriots end up with like 30. And I'll give the Eagles... I'll say like 30 to 24. Okay. I like that. I'll go. I'll go. Patriots twenty-four, Eagles twenty-one. Nothing matters. Like time is a flat circle. Eat at Arby's. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't surprise. I, I I hate it because I think I know exactly how this game's going to go. I think the Eagles are going to get. Yeah, we're going to go to a Super Bowl party here in Charlotte, and I'll, I'll watch, but I'll mostly talk to people and eat food. Well, that's the good part. Yeah, I just, I'm just so fundamentally uninterested in this game, I think, which is a shame. You're going to be excited for the uh, Solo of Star Wars movies uh, preview that's coming out? Oh, is it? That's that's really the whole point. They have a Star Wars movie coming out in three months, and there has not been a single trailer for it, which is kind of bizarre. That is weird. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, good luck being able to listen to commercials at a Super Bowl party. But uh, <laughs> I'm excited for the one Bud Light one with animals that makes you cry. No, that's that's always one to look forward to, and hopefully the conclusion of the Dilly Dilly campaign. Oh my gosh, that, that's pretty terrible. I asked yeah. Allison uh, how she what she thought about Dilly Dilly after hearing it once, and immediately it's terrible. Patriots. I thought it was like kind of amusing the first one that they did, but yeah, like as soon as there was another variation, like no, we're done. We're I, I'm out. And then didn't then Roethlisberger start using it as as a like audible play call? That was really what ruined it because that made it take off. I yeah. Ugh. All right, Ben. Well, hopefully, hopefully this game's better than than we think it's going to be. Um, hopefully, Nick Foles in Patriots here with Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels leaving for different head coaching jobs. Maybe we can maybe we can finally move on, get some closure, find peace in our lives. I have one last question for you before we sign off. All right. There's a story came out that Arthur Blank was offended that the Patriots used 283 diamonds on their ring. Would that have offended you? Did that offend you? Uh, any, any of the above? It annoys me more than anything. 
like, I get it. And I I understand where I'm at here in relation to people who had no rooting interest. I've heard, like, two funny 28-3 jokes in the year since that Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like, and being an Atlanta, Georgia, and Vanderbilt fan, like, I like to think I can laugh at myself and my teams. I just... Just saying twenty-eight to three isn't funny, you know. I I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm. I feel like there's a difference between me and other people on this one. But I seriously like. I've heard so few actually good twenty-eight to three jokes, and I've heard so many of them in total mm-hmm. that I'm just annoyed by the whole thing. I kind of think that. Uh, Arthur Blank just shouldn't have said anything just because now he made it a bigger deal. He made it a frontline ESPN story. And right. it's, fine, it's fine to be upset himself, but that was a mistake to say anything. Yeah, and it, it also depends on what the context is. Like, I'm sure if someone just asked him straight up about it, he responded. You know, it's different than, like, going out and making a point about saying it, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, well. hopefully. Hopefully the Eagles blow like a thirty nothing lead and then we can have three hundred diamonds. Something. Just anything, please. Something memorable. So that I don't have to deal with another year of it. Right. All, All right. right then. We'll see you later. Uh thanks as always for listening to the Bad Sports Town Podcast. Uh you can check us out. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Please leave us a nice review. Tell your friends. I don't know. Whatever. You do what you want. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.